0: Let's take it to the edge Let's get deflected
1: Hey, guys, I'm Dan Eastland with Dogwood Custom Knives, and I'm here with Kyle Daly of KH Daily Knives, and this is The Knife Perspective, episode number 075, Bless Their Hearts. little honest talk, guys. I've got nine ounces of vodka and a bowl of smoked almonds, and when they're both gone, we're done tonight (laughs) because Blade Show's coming, and we
0: don't have time to mess around. Yeah, we're going to do a one-take, so Dan told me he's going to keep the cussing to a minimum, so careful. I already
1: didn't say I already didn't say,
0: or. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Yeah. I'm here for you, brother. Yeah, we're, uh, both of us are getting ready for Blade. The The Laura Schwartzer episode is a little bit late getting out. I'm just about done editing that one. So you guys will at least have a couple of shows to listen to while you're working or driving to Blade Show or flying. So hopefully you guys helped you with that.
1: You know, anytime my pain can be your pleasure... You know, I'm just going to go with it. It's late.
0: <laughs> yeah. I messaged Laura. Hopefully you can get one. Or uh, she had mentioned that she had a picture of her doing her journey's Ben Smith and high heels and stuff. So hopefully I can get a picture of her doing the shopping yeah. on that. So I messaged her this morning. So hopefully you can get something, but all right. Yeah. yeah. Got a lot of knives going for blade show and trying to keep all the balls in the air. So that's what's happening in the, the cage daily knife shop. What's going on with you?
1: Uh, the dogwood shop is similar, except, um, the hot water heater that was in the ceiling of my shop, because that's the way my landlord built it first while I was out of town. So I'm getting as many knives ready as I possibly can working in half my shop space with half my stuff in a connex while a, uh, uh, restoration crew has now finished ripping stuff out and they're going to start putting it back in. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why Uber in a efficient. bunch of those
0: industrial buildings they put the hot water heater up top. I guess it's just to have maximized floor space or something. But
1: I assume so, and it was this ridiculous little 5-gallon hot water heater, like barely enough water to wash my hands. But apparently the pressure regulator went out at some point and um we had 140 PSI water pressure in the building. Okay. Which also explains why I kept having to replace the guts to my toilet.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: But the uh, pressure relief valve blew out the side of the hot water tank. And somewhere around 12 or 14 hours of uh, water just poured from the ceiling of the shop.
0: I bet that water bill is going to be nice and big. Yeah, fortunately
1: the water company is pretty solid about if you demonstrate that there is a catastrophic failure, they give you a write off.
0: Okay. Are you you or that must be really close to like a water tower or something to have that high a pressure? Um possibly. I mean it
1: God knows I'm not a plumber. We have fairly high pressure around here. And then the regulator is supposed to choke it down to like 40 pounds, 40 PSI coming into the house. Mm-hmm. So it's, I don't think it's uncommon to have that high a pressure at the main. Okay. Um, It's usually just necked down coming into the house. Yeah.
0: I know our well pump runs. It's like 90 to 100 PSI. Um I only know that because now I I get to find out about all that stuff being a, a homeowner <laughs> on a septic tank and well, my whole life my uh, whole life I've been city water and sewer so, uh, yeah, learning that you gotta gotta call have the, have your septic tank pumped every so often. I uh, learned all about uh, expansion tanks and rust removers and water softeners and water heaters and yeah. yeah. Replaced a lot of stuff in the two years we've been here,, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you gotta check that saf- sacrificial rod in your
1: uh, water heater, every yeah, moment. I was telling
0: Ben Seacrest about that um when i um when our second water heater was leaking, I was like, I thought it was coming from the connections uh turns out it wasn't, but uh, I was like, well, I know it's the water heater's seven years old, so I'll change that sacrificial anode rod. And I uh took it out and there was no no rod at all. It's <laughs> like, well, that ain't good. <laughs> and uh yeah, the my mm-hmm. seven or seven year old water heater with the six year warranty had uh its maker, so Yeah. Perfect design margin. Yeah.
1: All right. Enough crap talking. Uh, let's get to the sponsors and uh, let's, let's jump in the meat and potatoes. Nobody's here to listen to our wham, wham, wham. <laughs> All righty.
0: Uh, so uh, let's start off with Phoenix abrasives. I just got a big order of uh, abrasives that I'm taking down. A lot of people have been asking about the uh, the rhino stick paper that I've been getting uh, for the, the sanding sticks. So I'm going to, I talked to Greg, he sent me a whole selection of the, so we're going to have 220, 320, 400 and 600, and I'm going to measure off five foot sections and it'll be one five foot section of each and, uh, going to sell little, little packs so people don't have to, can try out the paper without having to buy a whole, uh, what is it? 27 yard roll or something. So, um, that's pretty cool of you. um, Hopefully that that works out pretty well. I just got it just got it in the mail today. So uh, the, the Rhino stick uh, stuff, they carry the, the cage daily sanding buddies and the sanding sticks and all sorts of other abrasives. I've been using uh, using a bunch of stuff.
1: I actually got a um, I now have a full set of blue sanding sticks. So I've got the the no rubber, the hard black rubber, the soft white rubber all in blue now
0: nice yeah I, I have a couple different colors so yeah i keep the uh i've got orange black orange black and red i think are the the
1: three that i use theoretically i should have the different ones color coded but um apparently i've got some sort of blue fixation <laughs> i don't know therapist yeah you know, autism meh, meh, meh. i wasn't listening but Apparently I got a blue fixation so I just rolled with it.
0: Well you're a guy so you're lots of guys like blue. But uh yeah well there is. You that. can use discount code KP10 to get 10% off your order with all your stuff at uh Phoenix Abrasive. So make sure you give those guys give those guys a check when you're uh, you're looking for your your stuff. Uh every time I've ordered something it's been less than 2 days it's been sh- shipped. Uh so gets gets to your place really quick oh. <laughs> could Man. have been killed
1: <laughs> damn that that actually blew my my headset off <laughs> do, you, do you need to take a break no no i'm good i may have knocked something <laughs> loose but i'm good i just hope i covered the microphone enough not to blow out uh, somebody's speakers. i'll try to make
0: sure to uh, at least uh lower that one down uh, we also have Atlas materials have been using a lot of their materials and stuff. I've been cutting a bunch of that thick canvas micarta that I got from them. Uh, I have some really cool stuff and, um, I cut into some of my special piece. I think I sent you some of it, that tight weave canvas. That is that butterscotch color. Oh, that is fucking, I mean, freaking beautiful. i going to have a, have two knives with that at the show, uh, with that stuff. One of them is going to a, a friend of the show, that David is- Anderson. Uh, he he bought a eight inch, uh-huh. yeah, he bought Hello, an eight Mr. inch Anderson. bread knife last year, and then said, "Can you make me a ten inch one?" So uh, he's getting the ten inch one in MagnaCut with uh, an extra special file work pattern down the spine. Yeah, it's got nice. Got uh, very good people. Five five different patterns all blended together on one knife. So. Pretty cool.
1: Um, I was going to throw out the Phoenix abrasive. That 10% off
0: mm-hmm. it
1: adds up pretty quickly. Uh, about three weeks ago when the, the physical therapist was like, okay, you can go back to work now. I walked in the grind room and realized I basically wow. had no fresh belts. Um, so so I had to make the power order at uh, Phoenix. And I kind of clenched up and then I put in the, the discount code. And I was like, wow. Ten percent is actually a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, that helps out quite a bit.
1: Um you oh man, you talked about our boys at Atlas. I've got um I've got some cool stuff for them. Pretty sure it'll be on the table. I start I got some of their uh two tone rods. Okay. So you know they've as far as I know, they were the first ones to do like the colored uh G ten rods. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now they're doing uh, like two tone, like they're black and white. Okay. Uh, and I got a couple of those to play with, and they they give a nice little flair to uh to handle materials. Yeah. And it it works if it's like I use some of the black and white. So if it's dark handle material, it works. If it's light handle material, it works. It's kind of a a nice a nice catch all.
0: Yeah, I saw some. Or I saw one he had that was uh, some. Red, white, and blue striped ones that were kind of cool. So, oh, the Fourth of July is coming up. Yeah, it'll be here before we know it. (laughs) Just like blade show.
1: Yep. Uh, Um. So, Ridge Runner blades, our good friend Taylor Grinds. You know, we've talked a little bit about them. I I want to have him when the dust settles. I want to have him back on. We've had him on talking about axes, but I'd like to have him on and talk about Ridge Runner. I'm really excited about this because it's a big shop with some really good funding and it's now being managed by a knife guy who, I mean, not just that he loves knives, but somebody that's really in the industry. And I I really expect some really impressive things to be coming out of a, uh, out of river Ridge runner blades.
0: Yeah. Very cool. I don't know if we've had, I don't think we've had him on the podcast yet. We were going to have them, and then then it fell through, and then.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, Yeah, we'll have to fix that because um, apart from being a knife guy and making some knives, he specializes in axes, and he does, like, $1,500 grinds for the guys that do, like, lumberjack competitions. Like, he does the really dialed-in race axe grinds and that kind of stuff. Uh, and also, has done deep dives on um, Native American war clubs and right. tomahawks. So he's a, a really great source of knowledge on uh, on chopping implements. You know, speed axes, crosscut axes, splitting
0: mauls, uh, hatchets, tomahawks—kind of all things chopping. I'm always extraordinarily impressed watching those lumberjack competitions, like uh especially those first two hits the guys will like do the first driving hit and then they'll hit a second time and there'll be this like huge chunk like a third of the log yeah. comes out or like a fourth of the log <laughs> and i'm just like i'm like yeah. that i don't get that much wood out after like 15 hits
1: <laughs> oh hey we don't need to hear, <laughs> we don't need to hear about your personal yeah. problems yeah. <laughs> speaking of personal problems i'd like to talk about uh, set okay. supply Knife maker materials made for knife makers by knife makers. Uh, And I want to touch on that a little bit. I mean, the vast majority of the people listening to this show, your makers, we're in the maker community. This is a group of another of makers that are, they're making materials kind of for us by us. So not only are you getting stuff from fellow makers, so they know what you need. But you're also helping support a fellow maker. I have uh, I've used some of their handle material, both their um, uh, their hybrid stuff and some of their um, their inlays, and I've been really impressed.
0: Okay. Spencer sent me a box uh, of some of the stuff, but I haven't had a chance to really look at it that much. So.
1: Uh, I'm looking forward. It'll be. It'll probably be three, four more weeks before I'm ready to do a full review.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: but I've been using some of their stuff, and I've been impressed so far. A um, couple of little tweaks here and there, but especially considering how quest- arguably new to the market they are, they're dialing stuff in really quickly, and their quality is outstanding. Yeah. Um, and like I said, give me a couple more weeks because. Uh, th- I don't want to jump the gun, but I want, I'm looking forward to doing a full review because they've got some really good stuff coming
0: out. Yeah. Uh, And then we also have chance knife supply. You can find them at booth 721 uh, at blade show. And uh, you can use discount code KP grip for 10% off your handle materials there. And uh, if you're at blade show, uh, if you could please stop by uh, a lot of our, our dealers and just, mention to them or our sponsors then just say uh thank you for sponsoring the knife perspective. That means uh, a lot to them and a lot to us um that they know that they're they're reaching the market that they're going for
1: otherwise um we'll we'll have to start paying for this stuff and we'll be back to like one every six yeah. weeks. And just think of how boring your hand sanding is going to be <laughs> without us. Yeah. Uh
0: and then we also have the or the best kitchen cutlery you can buy, and bushcraft cutlery, Dogwood Custom Knives, and Cage Daily Knives sponsoring the podcast. Uh, you can find Dan and Kyle's knives at KnifeCenter dot com, and you can find Dan's knives at the Cook Station, Blade HQ, Ridge Runner, and Asheville Crafted Edge. You can find Kyle's knives at Northside Cutlery, also. And you can find the knife making tools at Phoenix Abrasives and Housemade.us. They're selling the the carbide straightening hammer, and hopefully, we'll have the sanding buddy on their website here soon. So, I guess it's not fair to
1: say the original straightening hammer, but like the first straightening hammer. I've been doing it for a little like, while, so yeah. I, so, let's say not the cheap knockoff straightening hammer.
0: I, I would just go with. Uh, somebody that was helping popularize it a bunch. Um, not a lot of people knew about it. And I feel like I helped bring some of that uh, education out into the open to, to help a lot of people. So,
1: and you know, I, I've got to admit, I've, I've been in a little bit of a pinch between you know, rehab, limiting my work time, etc. cetera. And wait, so full disclosure, I dropped my earbud And it landed in the bucket of knives that can never be. Hmm. And you can't just reach into that thing. Like, you got to be kind of delicate. I started pulling stuff out, trying to get to it. And I started pulling out warped blades. I'm like, that's not so bad. That's not so bad. You know what? I must have saved six, seven blades using the straightening hammer. Awesome. Um, It kind of going to be a lifesaver for me for this show.
0: Yeah. uh, For... For any of your super alloyed steels, uh, magna cut and stuff like that, it's been one of the best things ever. But yeah, you're saving saving some knives or some of your knives with the straightening hammer. I'm glad to hear that.
1: Yeah. Some of the ones that were in the bucket of knives that'll never be or are, are now actually at least two of them are now actually
0: in people's hands and being used. Nice. Did you mark what the steel was or? Uh, yeah. Okay. Because uh, some I know uh, some of those when they I forget to mark them and then it's just like yeah <laughs> so um, early on I didn't think about
1: it later once every so often I go back to the bucket because my skills improve enough that I can recover things that I used to not be able to so I've learned to just write the steel on it before I throw it in the bucket okay.
0: yeah I've been taking. Uh, my Fordham tool, which is like a Dremel on steroids and using an eighth inch carbide uh, ball in, or ball carbide burr. And I, yeah, write it into the steel um, instead of just using a marker. Cause I've, I've had a few that I luckily I already knew what the steel was. Cause I pretty much only just used two. Um but the, the marker sometimes can wear off. So, Yep. Okay, I'm I'm like whew, I'm
1: through at least four and a half ounces of vodka, and we haven't <laughs> even gotten to meat potatoes yet. All right,
0: so we got the 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 Gill or the Knife Show that uh, is the the big Kahuna for all of us knife makers. I uh, got Blade Show in Atlanta, June second through the fourth, and you can uh, find Dan at booth five thirty seven. How about that, Dan? I got it written down for you. Oh. Man, I'm impressed. <laughs> and you can keep Thanks. and you can find me at table three double B right next to Phoenix Abrasives that's gonna be at three double A. And on Saturday, I will be teaching my knife file work class at 830. Uh it'll be eight thirty to nine thirty. And there are only as of this recording, there are only two tickets left. So I think Chef Craig actually bought one of those. Cool. That'll be cool to see him. And uh Yeah, going to be unveiled. Well, the the book is already unveiled, but uh, a lot, hopefully getting a lot of books into the the people's hands. A lot of the people that have been getting their books um, have been really impressed with it. So really happy with how helpful people are finding the books because put a lot of work into it and was uh, hoping everybody would find it as helpful as I thought it was going to be helpful. I'm looking forward to checking mine out. Yeah. I've got one saved with your name on it, Dan. Did you autograph it for me? It is autographed. Oh,
1: <laughs> take <laughs> such good care of me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All the ones that have uh, gotten mailed out so far. I've, I've been, I've got a spot in there. That's pretty good to put a little, thanks for the support. And uh, I've been writing, writing the date in there.
1: Um, <clears> so, uh, shout outs. You're, I don't, You know what? We've already talked about set supply, so I don't know if they get a double shout out. Yeah. I mean I like them and all, but uh I you know, I'm gonna hold up on that. I'm I'm gonna feel like they've gotten double shouted out already.
0: (laughs) Gotcha. And then uh one of the people we had that we wanted to shout out was Jess Hoffman. He's going to be at two double D, I believe it is, for a table. Uh Jess Hoffman, um he's uh Jay Hoffman Knives, I believe, is his table name. Um, but he'll yep. he, if you come to my table, I'll point you right to him. Yeah, you can literally see him right next to me. Uh, but yeah, on Thursday, he's going to be selling a bunch of he sells a lot of handle material and stuff on Thursday. Well, a lot, a lot of the knife makers and stuff are setting up. And then he usually takes most of his handle material off and then puts his like he brings like over 100 blades <laughs> or seemingly a hundred blades damn uh yeah he has a. he always has a big selection he's a. he's a machine i don't know how he makes them so quickly so uh make sure you check him out he's a great supporter of the show and hopefully you can have him back on the show talk about some stuff with him
1: yep hey. i'd love to do a post blade show kind of a, a wind down with
0: him yeah i think uh I would say it every year, but I think I'm actually going to take the microphone around and record, do a couple like five minute things talking with people, try to hook it into my phone and just record, uh, right there. Some man in the street, and yeah, kind of We stuff. can just drop a bunch of them together and let have it be live from the floor or something. Yeah. Um. It turns out I may have
1: some extra space at the booth this year, so maybe we could set up a little recording area for yeah. uh, the knife perspective. Yeah. Let's get into the interview, the meat and potatoes. Um, Kyle and I. Usually, I'm talking to you, Kyle. I'm I'm, I'm going to kind of talk to our our listener. But listeners, there's I mean Beth is probably listening, so there's two. Um, we've kind of fallen into to roles or patterns, and. I mean that's it's still an honest reflection of who we are, but it's it's kind of part of who we are and it's entertaining and I like being this guy, but it's not it's not really all of who either of us are and we've been dealing with some stuff um and you and I were talking, and it's 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 the kind of thing that that makers need to know about that we're not always really up for talking about so I want to kind of take a take a step away from from the pattern or the roles that we've gotten into. Um, take a step away from our format and take a few minutes and just it, yeah, real talk sounds so cliche and gin whatever, but you know hey, we're going to step away from doing a show tonight and hey, we just want to talk to y'all a little bit. There's there's stuff we've been dealing with, which I'm pretty sure at some point you're gonna to have to deal with, so we might as well give you a heads up um and a little bit of hey this is this is the nitty gritty part this is how the sausage gets made um, and we can talk a little bit um you know i I'll, I'll go ahead and talk about um i've I've been pretty stressed out um you know um I had another shoulder surgery, arguably. Dan was an idiot, yada, yada, yada. But I got cleared to go back to work about three weeks ago, which left me with just a phenomenal backlog plus trying to get ready for Blade. And then I had a, a pipe burst in the ceiling of the shop while I was out of town. I um, had a bunch of production stuff that was. it's going to be so close to hitting time for blade show. So I went ahead and ordered the extra booth space because it's one of those things. I was on the list and when they come down to your name, you either take it or you don't. And if you don't, you go back down to the bottom of the list and I'm working with some really great production people, but man, stuff just happens. So all of a sudden, none of my production work is going to be ready in time for blade. Um, I've been completely out of work up until three weeks ago and half my shop has been completely gutted. Uh, and it's a hard place to be in, but, uh, we're going to circle back to around to this towards the end of the show, but stuff's going to go wrong and you need to have a plan for that. And then that plan's going to go wrong and you need to have a plan for that. And when that one goes wrong, you need to at least have an outline for what it's really going to be like. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think this year has been for various reasons this year has kind of hit you harder than it than it usually does as well,
0: yeah, yeah doing the whole just trying to be in control of the cash flow is is a really hard part with uh, doing everything yourself um I didn't fully realize it uh until uh doing it uh Todd when I was asking him about going full time and stuff like that Todd hunt. Um, was asking him how, when he made the decision to go full time and stuff like that. And we were talking and, uh, I didn't realize how true it was when Todd said the easiest thing is making the knives. It's all the other stuff because half your job is to make it half your job is to sell it. And then you also have to fit in taxes and, uh, all the paperwork and advertising and staying relevant on social media and stuff like that. And then, um, Everybody wants you to go to Blade Show and all these other shows, but there's some really significant costs in there that a lot of people don't fully realize until they've had a booth space there. Uh, it's a significant amount of days for just hotel rooms and then flights or driving. Uh, all that takes time or money. And um, then if you want to have Wi-Fi uh, for secure <laughs> uh, bank transactions, one of the guys that I know uh, Derek Belton, he was asking about credit card transaction stuff. And I told him about the, the Wi-Fi and that we've we've bought it a couple of the last couple of years. And um, he uh he he said, I'm going to have one hammer. I'm going to stamp a Wi-Fi logo into the hammer. So that'll pay for my <laughs> hundred ninety five dollar hammer. So
1: uh, and the problem is the connectivity is so bad in that room. That if you're going to run credit cards, you pretty much have to buy the Wi-Fi. Otherwise, it's going to be a crapshoot whether or not you can get connectivity to then.
0: Yeah, and I heard on the free Wi-Fi last year, a lot of people were having much better luck than previous years. And I don't know if that was just because uh, we're still kind of getting back to building the numbers from pre-COVID.
1: And the Wi-Fi
0: just wasn't that overloaded. But um. I remember when I was trying to use the free Wi-Fi, it was just like can't connect, can't connect, can't connect, can't connect, and I'm like, I got people that are wanting to buy stuff, and I can't process the transaction, and I ended up losing one knife sale because they're like, dude, I gotta go. <laughs> it's like, I get it. A couple of a couple
1: of early years. Um, fortunately, my my buddy Mel, sister from another. She might as well be my sister. She, I mean, she has been my ride or die next to Beth. She's the the girl that's been there for me for years. Um, but I used to have to give her my phone, and she and the customer would walk outside of the building to get connectivity, process the the yeah. purchase, and then come back in. Uh, and that's the only way we were able to make it work without um without paying for the Wi Fi, which is, everybody can hear, is just not practical.
0: Yeah, it's $195 um, for the weekend, uh, which is no small chunk of change. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, that's that's the profit
0: margin.
1: That's not even a... That is pushing the profit margin on a big knife sale. That's that's basically, you got to sell two knives to cover your Wi-Fi. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, and I still hold to... Go into a show like blade is you got to consider that a, um, a marketing expense,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but the flip side of that coin is you got to have the money to be able to spend to then write off as a marketing expense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know quite a few people that are, uh, times are getting tough and they weren't able to, to make the, the, the commitment this year. So a little bummed to not see people, but uh, as we've mentioned in other ones, uh, going to shows like this is some of the only way you get dealers like Knife Center and Blade HQ and stuff like that. Um, they want to come and look at a substantial amount of your knives. Uh, they yeah. don't just want to look at a couple of pictures that you sent or one. Uh, if you can even send them like an example knife, uh, they want to look at a bunch of them.
1: They want to see that you have the the organization and the resources to be able to come to a show like this. Mm-hmm. And you know, I want to touch too on the, uh, I'm going to dive a little bit on this and, and let me know if I brush up against any comfort zones okay. for you. But we've been talking about it. Kyle and I are in kind of interesting positions. My youngest just left for his freshman year in college so I'm on the back end of the whole stay-at-home dad responsibility thing. Kyle's boys are are much younger. He's on the the front end side, so finishing first grade. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: The the very 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 front end. <laughs> so we've had some time to talk and you know, I have the advantage of some experience, but but times have changed. Um and before we go too much into this, because I get the impression there's a lot of guys in a similar situation and I'm going to give you all a little bit of my backstory. Um, I mean, there's the whole public Jack was born preemie. Somebody needed to stay at home. I stayed at home, which I did. Uh, and people have talked about or heard about me talking about doing my nine months unpaid apprenticeship. um, Beth has got a really good corporate gig and kind of what what makes this work is first of all, she's got a job that has got benefits, health insurance, which God we know is mm-hmm. key. Um, yeah. And in my situation, she kind of sat down with me and she's like, look, here's, here's what full-time childcare for two kids is going to cost. As long as you handle all of the, the primary child rearing responsibilities, as long as you keep your shop cost at or below this number, then that's going to be cash positive for the family. So basically I was a hundred percent responsible for childcare, but the flip side of that was it gave me a budget, um, to buy equipment. And it also helped me bridge that period while I was trying to build my name while I was doing research. Cause man, it's five, 10 years to really get established
0: mm-hmm. or more. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, so that in my particular case, you know, not just having a wife with a good job for the benefits, which is, I mean, that's just step one. If you don't have that, it's not really practical to try and do this full time. The flip side to that that a lot of people don't think about was intellectually, I knew things like if a kid gets sick, I'm staying home. That frees her up to to do the corporate thing, to to be the breadwinner, et cetera. Um, but, man, it doesn't take too many being sick School plays, PTA meetings, before your production schedule is is fu bar.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, when you lay out your business plan, you're thinking I can do this many knives per week, you know, this many knives per month. This is my plan, and then a kid gets the flu, and the other one needs after school pickups, and they're doing a play, and. You've got to do cupcakes, and the next thing you know, your your production times gotten cut in half for two weeks,
0: or you've got, or the kids have gotten COVID and, and they can't go to school, and you have to do school from home now for two weeks or more. Oh yeah, uh, and, that happened to us a couple times, and that was that was rough because trying to keep trying to keep a kid that's in kindergarten uh, attention span on what they're supposed to be doing, uh, remote is is difficult. Oh, I couldn't have done it
1: (laughs) either as a kid or an adult. Yeah. Um, so the stay at home dad knife maker gig is one of the more plausible ways to go full time. But if you're looking at that route, whatever you think your production schedule is going to be cut it by at least a third. Um, um, kids are going to get sick. You're going to have to go pick up the dry cleaning. It, stuff is going to happen beyond what you're, you're used to dealing with in a work environment. And especially in my case, I would get just a little bit behind and then catching up turned into somewhere between impossible and 16 hour days. Um, And there were times that I was pulling the 16 hour days and I was getting my production numbers, but I wouldn't be in a very good dad. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, you know, I, I was half asleep, zombie, trying to take care of the dad, trying to take care of the boys. And you come back to the work balance, work life balance issues. So uh, the stay at home dad gig really makes knife making practical take a few minutes and, and try to plan for you're not going to have as much production time as you think you yeah. are. Um, You know, the, the eight hours or 10 hours that you used to get as work time when you went to the office is not going to happen yeah. in this environment.
0: And then trying to bake um, uh, all those hours as productive. Uh, it doesn't take long at all to like, just sit down and drink a cup of coffee or whatever you're doing Uh, next thing you know, an hour's gone. Uh, So especially if you're uh, doing some research or um, doing website stuff, usually sucks a lot of my time out. Um, When I wrote the book, I substantially underestimated how much time I was going to mess around writing that. But um, yeah, just, uh, a lot of those things that all add up and um, cause things to get pushed and
1: and kind of touching base on the the knife making is the easy part. Early on, when it was still just kind of a hobby, doing research, answering rem- emails, balancing the books, that kind of stuff, I could do that in the in the evening for a little while. Between cleaning up the dishes and watching a TV show or I could hang out with Beth and knock that stuff out. It didn't take long before Mm -hmm. that was two or three hours. So if I try to do it at the end of the day, which was usually when I hung out with Beth, all of a sudden. She's been asleep for two freaking hours before I pull my head up and realize it's time to go to bed. Yeah. And that gets detrimental to your your relationship with your family. And let's face it, the whole reason you work hard is for your family. And if, if you're not there for them, then, then what's the point?
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, Well said.
1: Sorry. I'm not used to being that honest. It it took me a second. I I started to feel something. I had to bury that under two ounces of vodka. Yeah.
0: Mine was a, a little bit similar story. I had worked at, uh, my engineering gig for eleven years, and they moved the moved the job to san antonio and uh we had just gotten this new house and uh we were kind of doing the same thing uh, looking at what it would take for uh the boys were doing half day kindergarten. It was going to be three thousand dollars a month to have uh somebody shuttle them back and forth for the half day and then watch them the other half of the day while we would have been at work and we were running the numbers and stuff and um, made a lot more sense to have me do it, try to make some knives and do some supplemental money. Luckily, my wife's a teacher, makes some pretty good money and has benefits and stuff too with her teaching gig. So um, that made it a lot easier for us to kind of make the the knife making thing work for as long as it has so far. And a little bit of that trap is – Okay, um, I'll put the I'll take the
1: kids to school and then I'll have five hours to make knives. And if I work just twice as hard as I normally do, then that'll cover the production time I need and then I can go pick up the kids. You can't work twice as hard as you used to, and you certainly can't do it consistently. And that still doesn't leave time for the front of the house stuff the answering emails, the ordering materials. Like one of the traps I fell into is I got very focused on the production side and I could budget for the production side. And I'm, you know, I, I've been five foot nothing, 200 nothing for my whole life. Like I I am used to outworking everybody around me. That's just what it took. Um, And I, I was prepared to work harder. But I didn't appreciate that it's not just grinding it out. Like you can get in the shop and grind it out. I mean, you can, you can drive hard, but that doesn't cover the everything that happens outside of the shop. And I had this idea of, well, yeah, I can do that while the kids are playing. You can't do that while the kids are playing and keep them alive.
0: <laughs> They're really good at getting into mischief.
1: Yeah. Um, And you I in my case, I wound up either being a crappy father or it wasn't getting done. So time allocation, you really got to focus on being honest on what can really get done.
0: I had a funny one that I posted. Uh, The boys had a institute day on Monday a a week ago or so, and uh, I was like, what can I do to make a little bit of forward progress with the boys at home. And then I was like, Oh, I've got all these files. I can make them into file sets. So I had the boys unwrapping the files from the plastic packages and then putting the little straws on there so I could wrap them up in saran wrap and uh, drilling the holes on the golf balls and uh, putting the, like I had one of them with the vacuum cleaner. He would suck up the little uh, rubber (laughs) rubber as it was coming out of the drill bit. And um, so try to keep them as involved as possible, but, um, just trying to make a little bit of forward progress there.
1: That's, that's really solid parenting. Cause that's the other thing I struggled with is, and part of it is my communication skills, but finding ways to keep them entertained while I work.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And in my case, really what it uh, wound up doing was I was focused dad until I, until they went to bed and then I worked for another six hours. Yeah. But it wasn't long before I was running on four to six hours of sleep a night.
0: Yeah. Burning the candle at both ends.
1: And as a young man, I could pull that off, but it wasn't long before all of that caught up on caught up with
0: me. Um, One of the other things that was really funny was last year I had a whole bunch of my flat sanding sticks. So, I was having them put the little rubber pieces in the bags with the business card and a sticker and uh they're really good at loading plastic bags so uh if you can find things to keep them with you um they're they're forces to be reckoned with when they they put their mind to it but um I think it's also a really good way to demonstrate them uh working hard uh, so they can actually see some of that stuff so they're not just in front of a screen all the time even though it'll take a lot longer than just doing it yourself um, I think it's important to try to involve them in to get them comfortable around tools and stuff like that too um, part of the reason I invested in a saw stop for I knew my engineering job was going away was it's like I want my boys to be able to work with some of this stuff and I want it to be as safe as possible. uh, When I was looking at upgrading some of my equipment.
1: And, and you make a good point. I used to get very focused on just getting the job done instead of this is a chance to teach them a lesson and it's going to take twice as long as it needed to, but it's kind of a twofold. You entertained them. You taught them a lesson and the work got done, mm-hmm. so you, you yeah it took twice as long, but you got three times as many things accomplished.
0: Yeah. And they're learning Gosh. some life skills and stuff. So, um, one of one of my boys, he just loves playing with the the shop vac and sucking up all the dust. He just loves seeing the dust get sucked up. So he goes to town in the garage. The immediate so, gratification. <laughs> but yeah, go. Lots of people are like, Kyle has such a clean shop. I'm like, it's amazing what you can do at the end of like. I just do five minutes at the end of the day uh, before I go to pick the boys up. I just clean up for five minutes and then walk out the door and uh, they'll come into the shop and uh, they like uh, running around with the shop back.
1: That's a trap I used to get into. Um, I know from experience, the last 30 minutes of the day is clean up the shop, putting tools away where they go making repairs, whatever it is. But once I had the hard deadline of meeting the boys, I was bad about working till the last possible second and then dropping my tools and running to go get them. And over time, it it winds up being time negative. The time you spent looking for that tool, the time you spend fixing the thing that just needed, if it had just had maintenance six weeks ago, that short-term thinking of I've got to finish. This can bite you in the butt that if, if you can be disciplined and do the last, however many minutes of the day is clean up, put away maintenance that will help long-term. I I got trapped in that short-term cycle of this has to be finished by Friday.
0: Trying to, trying to stay up on all that stuff is hard. Um, i'm my personality trait is i try to stay as organized as possible although my desk usually ends up being being a pile of doom the engineer well if you look at my desk it's not it's it's organized for me but uh my wife wouldn't be able to find anything but out in the shop everything stays a lot more organized try to um and it helps me maintain the the levels um handling handles um I can, I know, oh, I need to get, I need to cut up some more strips for 600 grit and then, uh, I'm down to, yeah.
1: Or get shop <laughs> or, rolls. Make sure you saying. make sure
0: you check the level <laughs> on your shop roll every so often. Um, oh
1: yeah. That one's bit me in the butt
0: already. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, then I go to, uh, I only have one pack of 600 grit left. So I usually try to have two of 400 and 600 grit that I use the most. So. um just trying to keep those inventory levels up. And I've, I've
1: kind of maxed out where you can go with one person in a shop, which kind of brings you to a couple of perspectives. You can, you can bring on an apprentice, which is an enormous amount of time. Like, I didn't appreciate how much extra time it takes to teach somebody while you're working. And if they're going to stay with you for years, then it's a solid investment. But when I was in the fiddleback shop, I believe the average was one out of every 10 apprentices finish the process. And that's not worked in the shop. That's just finishing the process. So bringing on an apprentice is a phenomenal time sink that may or may not get you a return. Um You can bring on an employee, which comes with all kinds of legal hassles and okay. payroll and the cost of the employee. Uh, Or you can take the direction that I did, which is... Yeah, you know, I, I, I kind of tippy-toed in the water for mid-tech, but was looking, I, I, I've tried to find larger production companies that I could lease time from. With the exception of a really good apprentice that is passionate about what they're doing, um, employees or production companies, the first thing you've got to accept is they don't care as much about your stuff as you do. Like, That standard, that attention to detail, that willingness that you're going to put in, you've just got to understand that your employee or your production company, they're not going to have that level. It's not their name that's going on it. They don't care that much. So first of all, you've got to allow for that. And then every step of the process that's not in your shop, you lose control of you know, theoretically you, you set the final standard, but in the end there, there's going to be compromise. So if, as a, as a full-time maker, there's a good chance that you're going to peak. I mean, cause there is only so much work one person can do. And at some point you're going to look at either Jacking up your prices and start doing art knives, which that's a totally respectable thing. That's one way to be able to make money in a single person shop. The other is you got to push more volume and there's limited number of ways that you can push more volume and just realize that employees come with a whole set of hassles, not just dealing with another person having another person in your shop touching your stuff, but there's legal requirements. um, You might be paying the rule of thumb that I've heard from some other guys in the construction industry industry is for every dollar that you pay that person, there's least at least another dollar in cost. So if you're paying somebody $10 an hour, it's actually costing you 20 dollars an hour by the time you do unemployment insurance minimum benefits state requirements taxes so just keep in mind if you think about bringing somebody on and you're like ah 10 bucks an hour i can afford that no 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 it ain't 10 bucks an hour it's 20 bucks an hour
0: And 10 of that and g- you need to have the equipment for them to do the job So you might need to buy another $3,000 grinder. You might need to buy uh, other equipment. They can't, you guys both can't be at the drill press at the same time. Stuff like that. And, and
1: what was a big deal for me was when your kid gets sick and you can't work that day because you're doing the stay at home thing, you still got to pay that dude. Like you can't call him Monday morning and go, Hey, kid's sick. We're not working today. Yeah and I guess some people could do that, but you'd be a jackass. Um, you know, once you bring that employee on, you're committed to a certain number of hours providing work for that guy. Mm -hmm. Um, and these are just some of the things that nobody mentioned to me that I wish they had, uh, but, you know, learn from my mistakes. It's way cheaper.
0: (laughs) Yeah. All right. Um, Got anything
1: else? Uh, yeah, I was just looking at the the semi-cobbled together, completely unformatted show notes. Um, we we've kind of touched on things that uh, that people didn't tell you. Um, yeah, there's there's some room to talk about swallowing your pride, and you're going to have to make some compromises. Uh, feels like this is a good chance to circle back around to, man, stuff is going to go wrong when. When you've got the plan to go full time and you look at it and you go, if this happens, I'll be fine. That's when you just need to giggle because that if this happens, ain't going to happen. You need to have a plan B of when this doesn't work out, this is my fallback. And then just know the universe is giggling and you need to have at least a plan C, if not a plan D of when these goes wrong, these go wrong. This is what I'm going to do and still be able to be okay. You might not be top of the world, but you need for things to have gone wrong at the third or fourth level and still be okay. Um, And if you can do that, that's when you're ready to start making the, to honestly start taking a look look at making the move to full-time.
0: Or sometimes the universe Um, helps uh, guide you there for a little while.
1: Yeah. Um, And the great thing about this is you can be hobby and go full-time and come back to hobby and go to full-time. In some ways that's better because that gives you the freedom to hone your skill and build your name free of some responsibility. Mm -hmm. Um, And really, you know, I I think this is the moment I want to hammer in. Don't do this to make money because you're not. The reason you make knives is because you love making knives. And if you love making knives and you plan really well and things go pretty okay, you can make a little money at it. If you go into this trying to make money, you're screwed. You need just the pure joy of making knives to have a value to you. That is what's going to carry you through, you know, the the hot water heater burst and half your shop is ripped apart and you're wedged in between all your storage shelves that they had to move into your production area. Um, you're not making your numbers this month and it's going to be tight and you may go back to ramen noodles. Mm-hmm. The joy of making is what's going to carry you through those points. And if you don't have that joy, don't do it. Yeah. Um, And I hear this now and it's been kind of a... a a little bit of a bummer show and i don't mean for it to be that uh it has been a little bit of look dudes here's all here's the ugly truth that people's not aren't going to tell you but i can also say i wouldn't change anything yep i mean i still i go to bed thinking about knives i wake up looking forward to making them yep me too i i've had some bad days but I've enjoyed them. You know, it, at the end of the day, I've made something, especially my kitchen knives. I've made something that somebody feeds their family with. They, it, that doesn't pay the bills, but dear God, it gives me a reason to wake up early every morning.
0: Yeah, gives you some purpose.
1: Yeah. So it, we've talked a little bit about the, the ugliest side that people don't like to talk about, but don't. You know what? Yeah, I'm trying to talk you out of it. I am talking you out of going full time. And if you want it so badly, you're willing to ignore me, then you might, you might be okay. You might handle it. If I've been able to talk you out of doing it, you are a wise man, who also probably shouldn't be a full time knife maker. Matter of fact, those two things do seem to. Yeah, only idiots go full time.
0: (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Um, you want to give the, uh, bring it up a little bit and talk about, uh, this before, uh,
1: Oh yeah. You know, it is close. So funny story. Um, I've got five more boxes to go through to try and find those posters. (laughs) Otherwise, uh, I gotta have, uh, I'm hesitant to use his real name. Um, his stage name, Chosen Ghost.
0: Okay.
1: Our uh, our graphics designer extraordinaire who has made a few posters and a whole bunch of stickers.
0: Pulse Rifle Romance.
1: Yep. Um, but there are some limited edition posters that are somewhere in the boxes that got packed up when the water pipe thing happened. The, they should be fine. They're in a connex um i have got to get my hands on them tomorrow or we got to get them re- i'll i'll pay to get them reprinted
0: we, we we'll figure that out figure out if they need to be reprinted first
1: yeah yeah don't borrow trouble that's a tomorrow problem <laughs> this is today yeah all of that to say we have some truly truly badass i i will argue best stickers we've ever had arguably best stickers that have ever been at blade show yeah limited edition uh come by Kyle's table my booth uh I I think the code phrase is the smurf walks backwards at midnight yep yeah we've only got a handful of those so they're not getting set out for the the 14 year olds to throw in their bag of of swag no 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 no. Mm -hmm. you got to be on the inside we got to know that you're going to appreciate it but they are hands down the coolest stickers I've ever seen
0: Yeah, I'm super excited how they came out with or came out. Uh, It's a um, beer bottle ish type label and uh, says uh, say Goodnight, Dan on there. And it's a barrel aged porter uh, with the blade show and our KP logo with uh, the 2023 in Roman numerals. It looks super awesome.
1: Uh, I'm I'm also going to mention that uh, I had them work up some new uh, dogwood custom knives. Uh stickers
0: ah can't wait to see how that worked out
1: yeah, yeah. i I'm really excited kind of changed it the it's still clearly the theme of the old school dogwood blossom, but I gave him some autistic freedom, and he absolutely killed it nice in a good way
0: cool hopefully i can is there a phrase to get one of those? do I need to um put me down for one of those
1: you know, I, my first seven responses, I knew needed to be edited and <laughs> you weren't going to edit those. So, mm. you know, I, I have to think of something. My, my my default phrase is always the Smurf walks backwards at midnight. Mm. Um, A really good friend of mine in high school uh, used to jokingly refer to that. And then a guy I played rugby with was teaching English in China. And jokingly, I used to put that in some of our emails. Mm-hmm. And he finally, he called me. He's like, dude, you have to stop doing that. The state police have come by to talk to me twice. It's not funny. You have to stop putting random <laughs> phrases in our emails.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they look at all that stuff over there. So-
1: of course I responded with, I will not say the Smurf walks backwards at midnight anymore because the Smurf does not walk backwards <laughs> at midnight.
0: <laughs> yep. no.
1: Um, but no, I I, I think that's a, a solid fallback phrase until we come up with something Alrighty. more creative.
0: Sounds good. So make sure you hit, hit Dan or my table and we can uh, get you a sticker. Um, yeah. yeah. Do you have anything else? Um,
1: that's about it. Uh sorry for the, the kind of free form um stream of conscious uh, show tonight. Uh as Kyle has probably not edited out all the ums and ahs you figured out we're we're actually <laughs> kind of idiots. But we are thoroughly entertaining idiots and I appreciate y'all y'all spending a little time with us. I appreciate y'all support and I, I look forward to seeing everybody. Yeah, at Blade A show lot of people
0: year. tell me you don't need to edit, just put it up there. We'll, we'll, we'll deal with it. So this will be a good test to see if you really can handle it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Turns out you'd really rather have edit it. So we don't sound like idiots.
0: <laughs> so you can keep in touch with the podcast at knifeperspective.com, Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram and find the podcast, all sorts of different places. And you can keep in touch with Dan Eastland, of Dogwood Custom Knives at dogwoodcustomknives.com and Dogwood Custom Knives on Facebook and Instagram. And you can keep in touch with me, Kyle Daly of Cage Daily Knives at cagedailyknives.com, Cage Daily Knives on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, even though I don't do too much on those last two, mainly on Instagram. So um, definitely connect with us. Oh,
1: you know... Last second, kind of throw in. Um, really long story. I'll try to cut it short. I had to go play corporate spouse for a, a, a trip with Beth, which I thoroughly enjoy. I love doing it, but it is—it's time away from the shop. But it is also a time where I can do things like read a book, which I just don't do very often. And I stumbled onto a book. It's completely unknife making related. But I read it, and it's a lot of work for me to read, so make that what you will. It is called uh, The Self-Made Man by Nora Vincent. Okay.
0: What's that about? And I have
1: come to realize—
0: All right.
1: Well, I'm about to tell you, actually. Um, I have come to realize that every guy that has to interact with women should read this book because— It'll help you understand how they perceive us. And every woman that has to interact with guys should read this book because it can help you perceive all the shit that you didn't think you saw. And it is uh, she was a lesbian who went, I guess, for lack of a better term, undercover as a man for, I think, two years. Um. And her original premise was she was going to basically write a book about male privilege and how easy men have it. And she, I mean, she went so far as to go see voice coaches and learn to really pass. And like one of the things I didn't even think about was she was talking about men speak at a lower register because they tend to use fewer words simpler thoughts, and they deliver. They speak at a slower cadence where women tend to use a whole lot more words. So with each breath, they're trying to force all those words in and they come up at a higher register and they use more words. And that's just one of the little things that I never really thought about. But she, no shit, beard. With some some coaching, lived as a man, um, went to some men's support groups, uh, men's bowling league. Actually, for my my fellow Catholics out there, uh, was a a novice in a uh, monastery for a while. Uh, Side note, uh, she thought she was going to write a book about um, male privilege and how easy life is and round up writing a book about, holy shit, women have no idea how hard it is to be a man. Um, but a big part of what I got out of it was, you know, there are times even dealing with my wife who is an absolutely amazing woman. And I think to myself, you're just not getting it. Like I'm, I'm communicating and you're clearly not getting it. Uh, it was phenomenal to hear a woman describe why she misunderstood so much of male culture and masculinity. Like one of the points she makes was that men didn't communicate things in some cases, feelings um, in language that she knew. So she just didn't think it was there. So it it's kind of a phenomenal lesson on it's really helped with Beth and I on things that I think I am very clearly communicating. I now get that. No, 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 that that that's a language or a frequency mm. she's just not aware of. And she missed that entire conversation. Um, A couple of my female friends have read the book um, and a couple of them have been like, holy shit. Mm. I just realized I've missed half of what my husband has been telling me. Um, it, it, it's an interesting book, but it it really kind of helped me understand dealing with the women in my life.
0: Yeah. That's interesting.
1: Yeah. Sorry. I know it's, it's not knife related and it it's a little out there, but it, it, it's a phenomenal book.
0: There was a comedian that was talking about the, the difference in how many words a day uh men and women speak and uh he said your man just doesn't or he, it's not that he want doesn't want to talk to you he's just out of words for the day <laughs> <laughs>
1: which there is some actual scientific proof to um and she alludes to that you know men there's the nonverbal communication and that sort of thing. They communicate so much with so few words and that's not how women, (laughs) and that's not how women are programmed to understand things. Yeah. Um, But, and there's a lot of other nuances that there's no reason to go into on, on this podcast, but you really might find it fascinating. It's not a hard read. It's a couple of hundred pages. I mean, I I got like a seventh grade reading level. So if I made it through it, y'all can. Cool. Y'all could probably do it on a weekend. It took me about a week.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, shit. Speaking of books, Laren's new book is out. Um, I ordered it, but I haven't gotten my copy yet. Oh, speaking of nonverbal communication. <laughs> For all of y'all that can't see the camera right now, I'm clearly communicating some sentiments to Kyle yeah, right now.
0: Well, the first day it went out, uh, Laren posted that uh, Amazon had it for 25% off. So I immediately bought the hardcover version because uh plan on getting him to sign I, it and having a bunch of people that he talked to in there. I want to have them sign the, the chapters and stuff at Blade Show. I think that'll be cool. Uh, I ordered mine... I think yesterday a uh, side note
1: for you, Kindle users. Um, I think he's got it cleared up, but there was a scam going on where you thought you were buying his book and you actually wound up with, I think little women from Jane hmm. Austen. That sounds
0: like a good read.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's, I mean, I'm perfectly willing to read about a lesbian pretending to be a man, but little women just seems like a, a stretch too far for me.
0: <laughs> gotcha. Alrighty,
1: uh, I I have not read it. I have read some excerpts of his um, digitally, and I've really enjoyed them. So I'm looking forward to the, the whole book. Yeah, I
0: haven't I haven't even touched it yet. So uh, I imagine I won't read a whole bunch. No, we're, but we're doing the blade show. Blade
1: show we're doing the blade yeah. show boogie.
0: Yep, trying to say everything up in the air. Well. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the show. Let us know how much you, if you liked uh, the non-edited version and uh, maybe we'll do some more of these uh the free do flow. some more, more frequently show, more frequent shows. Uh,
1: there's really only thing. Yeah, no, no. There's only one thing left to be said. Say goodnight, Dan. Goodnight, Dan.
0: Well, let's take it to the edge because that's what's expected. Discussion. This is the night prospective. Let's get to the point. We're going to talk.